So 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning. So if you have a Bible, you can flip on over there or scroll on over there. And if you don't have a Bible at home, we have Bibles around the room for you. And you can uh, grab one of those, take it home, and and break it in. And just don't say that I didn't get you anything for Christmas, all right? Merry Christmas. And uh, speaking of the Bible, uh, this is a great time of year to jump into maybe a Bible reading plan. I finished mine up on Friday. I don't know why it was a day off, but I finished mine up on on Friday. And... um, it was uh, through the Bible app, and so just for me, it was really great. If you read about 3.25, let's be precise, chapters of Scripture a day, you can get through the whole Bible in a year. Uh, maybe you want to take it at a slower pace or a faster pace, but I encourage you guys to uh, take this time of year to think through how am I going to get into the Scriptures uh, in 2017. I really believe that it will change your, your life, and Scripture says about itself that it is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And so I've been doing this practice of reading through the Bible in a year for years. And uh, it's crazy how every time I, I read different passages, God does different things in my heart. And he finds me with his scriptures at the right time. And uh, I just, I love that. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to jump into that in some capacity this year as well. But uh, let's get started. Uh, can I show you as we start here, the, the, the worst sound in the world, in my opinion. Are you ready for this? Oh my word, what is he getting us into? Uh, this is the worst sound in the world right here. Oh, hate that sound. Did you hear that this morning or something like that? Uh, that's the sound of discipline right there. And so I don't know if you, uh, you set your alarm for the morning or if you just kind of get up organically and just go with the flow and just hope you get somewhere on time. But in my mind, that's the sound of discipline. And, and, and at the beginning of a new year, so many of us are, are thinking discipline, thinking about how we can get stronger in certain areas, do better in certain areas. And so maybe you're thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up early and I'm going to go to the gym. Or I'm going to get up early and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch the train. I'm not going to stress myself out and be late for work all the time. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to go for a run. Or, or I'm going to be uh, early and, and cram for that exam. And so we set our alarms. Or we set our alarms so that, so that we can uh, get to that coffee appointment right on time. Or we can get our kids out the door on time. And, and we set our alarms because we're, we're trying to be disciplined. And, and again, many of us at this, this, this new year, we're thinking discipline. We're thinking, I want to change some things. I want to, I want to be on the ball this year in some areas. I want to make some commitments to be disciplined uh, in, in this year, and I, and, and I encourage you in that, and I think that's a great thing, but can I just throw another passage into the mix? Let me, let me do that. Uh, before we get to 1 Corinthians 9, let me throw another passage in the mix. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 7. We'll put it on the screen for you. It says this, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And so perhaps like you, I know I, I too have made some, some commitments to be more disciplined in specific areas of my life in 2017. I've been thinking about how, how I can be more disciplined in saving financially for the future. More disciplined in, in putting more miles on my sneakers. More disciplined in, in going to the gym more frequently. And what Paul says here is, yes, bodily training, it's good. He doesn't say it's bad. He says it's of some value. He says, but training in godliness is valuable here and into eternity. And so on this first day of the new year, it's very rare that it falls on a Sunday like this, but it does, and so I think that's great. On this first day of the new year, uh, I want us to be thinking a little bit more specifically about training 
in godliness. I don't know if your mind's gone there yet, but I, I want us to go there together this morning, or what we call spiritual discipline. Now, my, my first task this morning as we go with spiritual discipline is to show you first your need for spiritual discipline. Because here's the thing. Spiritual discipline can seem a little less urgent than other areas of obvious needed discipline. Academic discipline, we, we get that. We've got a syllabus, we've got deadlines, we've got exams, we've got to get there, we've got to be ready. Career discipline, you've got project deadlines. You don't want to get fired because you want to put food on the table for the people you love. And so you've got to work hard and you've got to be disciplined there. Uh, physical discipline, you're putting more pounds on or, or your family's got a history of, of heart disease. And so you want to stay on top of that. And, and it, it seems pressing as your love handles grow, right? And, and, and financial discipline is... is makes sense, right? We're, we're not getting any younger and we're approaching retirement and we need to be disciplined. And these, are, these things are for us very obviously time sensitive, but spiritual discipline, because it doesn't seem time sensitive, can kind of get lost in the mix. Why? Because it's spiritual and by the very nature of being spiritual, it's kind of one of those unseen things. You can't quite touch it like you can your, your love handles. And I'm, I, I'm warning you this morning, that it is just as real, your spiritual condition, as your cholesterol. And so notice what Paul says here. He says, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of more value. Is that what he says? Let's be careful. Is that what he says? No, he doesn't say that. He says, he's not simply saying spiritual growth and godliness is, is worth some, some more than bodily training. What, what he says is that godliness is valuable in every way. Not just more value, it's, it's valuable in, in every way. It's one of those things that extends into every area of your life. It's valuable in every single way. You cannot name an area of your life where growing in godliness, growing and being more and more like Jesus does not overlap into. I thought about how this is proven true in my life. When I'm, I'm more spiritually healthy. My marriage is stronger because I deal with her in a loving and sacrificial way as we're told to love our wives, men like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. When I'm, I'm, I'm spiritually healthy, my, my, my parenting is, is stronger, much stronger because I, I'm, I'm less stressed out, I'm less touchy, I'm, I'm more gracious with them. When I'm spiritually healthy, my, my Physical health is even stronger because my stomach is not my, my God. When I'm, I'm, I'm spiritually healthy, my, my finances are much stronger because I'm not trying to buy things to get that quick high that financial uh, gains and, and stuff uh, gives you. When I'm spiritually healthy, my relationships are stronger because I deal with people in a way more, more like Jesus when I'm, I'm close to Jesus. When I'm spiritually healthy, I, I work better. When I'm spiritually healthy, I, I Think better. Maybe, you, maybe you've seen that in your life. See, it's, it's saying here that, that godliness is not just a little bit more valuable or maybe even a lot more valuable. It's valuable in every single way because it, it bleeds into all these areas. It's, it's got benefits in this life, but it's also got benefits in the next life. And so you may hit the gym in 2017, and I think that's a great thing, and we need to be good stewards of whatever it is that God's given us, and so be good stewards of your, your, your health as, as well, and, and you might prolong your life, and you might have more energy to do the things that you need to do, but eventually, no matter how hard you work, your body will break down, and, and physical training will reach its lifespan, but spiritual training 
has no lifespan because it's got benefits in this life and the life to come. And so when we train to be more godly and more like Jesus, we're not just doing something that's going to be beneficial here. We're doing something that's going to be beneficial forever and ever and ever. Now, let's go to our primary passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And let's read together uh, verses 24 through 27. Here's what Paul says. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Speaking spiritually here, lest... After preaching to others, he was a pastor, a preacher, and he started churches like we have and like J.D.'s going to. After preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified, lest I myself be disqualified. Now, in the preceding uh, verses in this chapter, he's speaking to some of his commitments and some of the sacrifices that he has made. If you want to just take a peek back up, if you've got a hard Bible in your hands, you can see some of the sacrifices that he's made to have this highly impactful missionary ministry to give the message of Jesus to people all over uh, the, the known world. And he, he's seen many, many people hear the message of Jesus, respond to the message of Jesus, have lives changed. He's, he's seen churches started and, and beautiful things have happened. But in order for these different types of people to be reached, he had to take on some challenging disciplines in his own life. Many of these disciplines do not directly apply to us today. But his example of personal discipline for Christ is what we need to see. And so some of the things that, that he did that maybe don't necessarily apply to us today, would, he, had, he had dietary discipline so that he would not offend other cultures. Things that he was free to, to partake in or drink in light of his liberty in Jesus, but he said, I'm not going to because I don't want to offend the culture that I'm in. For them, that's really tough. He, he, another example is he opted out of marriage, uh, which for a guy who's got the kind of pressure that he had would have been uh, extremely difficult emotionally, and physically, he reminds us at the beginning of chapter 9 that, that he has the freedom to be married. So don't think that pastors should not be married. The Bible says specifically that you have the freedom to be married. But he said because he's going to be traveling and not just be planted in one location in the nature that he is traveling all over the place. He's not going to drag a family into that where he checks in and then he flows out. and He's got all these disciplines. Another discipline, he says, I'm not going to take pay. And he tells the people in Corinth, I'm not going to take pay. He reminds them that the scriptures say that I have right to take a pay as a, as a, as a minister of the gospel. The scripture says, do not muzzle the ox. And so he says, I'm, I have the right to do that. But he says, I choose not to do that so as not to be an obstacle to you coming to know Jesus. And so he takes on these disciplines. He takes on these discomforts. So that he could fulfill the ministry that God had called him to. And here in verses 24 through 27, he makes this really strong athletic illustration, which he often does. And, and I, I like that. He, he, he uses it to speak to his commitment, to his hard work, to his intense focus to do what God has called him to do. And he gives the illustration not to, not to puff himself up and say, look at me and look what I've done. He does it to encourage the, the Corinthians that he's speaking to and to encourage us to step it up and, and 
and, and to press on in our commitment and in our discipline, uh, specifically for us in this new year and a, a season where we're making new commitments and, and saying, I'm going to be more disciplined here and here and here. And he says, this is most important. I want you to be disciplined here. And so for you, what areas of, of spiritual discipline, maybe if, if you're a believer and you've been thinking this way, immediately come to mind for you? Some, some areas where, you know what, I've just not been very disciplined I haven't taken it seriously, especially not the way Paul speaks to taking it seriously. Maybe for you it's, it's diet, and I mean spiritual diet, talking about uh, the, the intake of the, the scriptures. And the, the Bible refers to the scriptures as, as bread, and so you feed on this. And I'm telling you, the days when I, I feed on this, for me, the day just seems to go in a different direction. Not that this is my, my lucky rabbit's foot, you know, and I rub it and hold it, and then day goes well, but that I can live with my my life focused in on, on the way God has called me to live because I, I feed on this. Maybe for you it's, it's, it's exercise. And what I mean here is not physical exercise. I mean spiritual exercise. That is, God has given you resources. God has given you gifts. The Bible says spiritual gifts. Every Christian has one. And, and, and how are you using it? Are you using it? Maybe you need to be more disciplined. To I, I want to use the, the spiritual gifts and just, the, just the, the, the human gifts that God has given me. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe it's sexual purity. Maybe it's financial stewardship and, and to the kingdom. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe for you as a believer, if you're a believer, things are already coming to mind. Some areas where you can can, can, could really use to, to think about how am I going to step it up in this, this new year? Maybe some of you, you've been running the race for a while and you're starting to get a little bit, you're getting a little bit tired and maybe you need some encouragement to press on and, and Paul's going to do that here for you as well as we continue on. So review with me this illustration. In verse 24, he compares his discipline to a race. Now, this is really appropriate for these people because he's speaking to the people in Corinth, which is a major city in Greece, and this was home to the Isthmian Games. And this is a very famous athletic competition, famous uh, second only to the Olympic Games of, of that day. And it was, it was the, the, just the, a leading, leading athletic competition. And, and the, the kind of the focal piece piece of this, this competition was the, the foot race. And for the Corinthians, uh, the games were so much more than just entertainment and, and fun. For them, because it was kind of their home turf, it was a patriotic thing. There was a lot of pride in the Isthmian games. And, and Paul is, is saying, listen, like these guys who it's, you're passionate about your foot race and about hosting these games, he's saying, believers, I want you to be passionate. I want you to be serious. I want you to take pride that this is my opportunity to represent Christ well on this earth. We're not just going for a little jog. We are running, he says, a race. A race. Not that one Christian's going to get there before the other. No, he's, he's speaking to the seriousness of this. This is, this is something that is urgent. And so run as though you're going to receive the prize. And there's only one who receives the prize. Again, we all who trust in Jesus receive the prize. He's saying run in that way. This passion, this, this urgency. And he says this, I love this. Run that you may obtain it. I was doing a little bit of research. And that wasn't just a, a passing phrase. That was an actual phrase that was used. Run that you may obtain it. Think Nike, just do it. That's not all that popular anymore. But back in the, you know, the 80s, 90s, that was a big deal. And this was a, a common phrase known for them. Run that you may 
obtain it. And, and so for the young athletes, this was a, a phrase that would have been uh, encouragement to them when they were in the gyms and they were training, when they were on the, on the tracks and they were, they were training and when they were actually racing races. They would have heard, run that you may obtain it. Run that you may obtain it. It was a, a motivational phrase for them. And Paul is using this common language for them. He's saying, run that you may obtain it. This would have resonated with them. Run hard. Knowing that at the end of the race, there is a great prize. And that is your Lord Jesus, who's going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I know it was tough. And I know there were times you wanted to give up. And I know there were times where you were tired and you pressed in. I know that there were times where you felt like you were the only one on the course running the race. I know that there were times where, where you were just so, just, just so exhausted and, and you've given everything that you have for the Lord. And, and, and you look around, is anybody even watching? Does anybody care? And, and, and he says, I've been watching. I care. You're honoring me. And you now enter into my kingdom. That's the, 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 the hope that we have. Hope on this earth that he's with us, but hope for eternity that he's waiting for us. He's preparing a place for us. Verse 25 then says, every athlete exercises self-control in all, game, all, all things. And so in the Isthmian games in particular, in order to enter those games, these people were familiar, that every athlete had to take on an oath. And the oath that they would take on, they would have to state that they would train hard for at least 10 months, very focused. They had to take on an oath to say that to, in, in order to enter into these games, they would not drink wine. They would have uh, a very restricted diet. They would eat very unpleasurable foods so, so they could represent their country well, not unlike an ultra elite athlete today. And they committed uh, to, to train through cold and through heat. And this was their commitment to run the race. And he's saying here, listen, you know how those athletes have to exercise self-control in all things. I'm expecting that of you. God is expecting that of you. That if you are going to run the Christian race, listen, this is all over the Bible. There is no room for half-hearted Christian race running. There's just not. Jesus makes it really clear in the book of Revelation. I wish that you were either hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm... You're right in the middle. I want to spew you out of my mouth. Again, Paul is saying, listen, you take this serious. You're living for Jesus. You're following Jesus. And I'm going to pursue him hard. Spiritual discipline is not an option. It is the natural and intense, passionate overflow of a person who really understands what Jesus has done for me. Jesus has died for me. I want to live for him. I want to honor him. He goes on, he says, the Isthmian runners do it to receive a, a perishable wreath, but we do it to receive an imperishable wreath. You know the, the, the Greek trophy wreath that they would put on their head that was very, very familiar and would be pridefully worn and it would have been envious or envied by all in the Corinthian church and all in the people in that culture. He says that wreath, that's perishable. That's gonna, that's gonna wither. But this wreath that you get from the Lord is imperishable. Or as Paul said also in 1 Timothy chapter 4, that it's valuable from here, but for all eternity, it's imperishable. Every other Christmas season, now we're coming off the Christmas, this was our year to stay in town. 
But the other Christmas season, so next year, we'll head to be with my family. And uh, when we go down there, I, I, I love showing the kids uh, my, my basement bedroom uh, where I lived. And my mom, I'm telling you, she is so sentimental that nothing has changed. I mean, still nothing has changed. And uh, so my kids go in there and uh, still hanging from a light fixture are all my, my medals from high school track. And I was also a wrestler. And uh, what I've noticed is that the, the metals are actually starting to tarnish. They're starting to actually get that kind of crusty, nasty, Mom, you didn't polish my metals? And uh, she didn't, and, um, but yet she'll never move them. And, and Paul is saying, listen, those, those things, those prizes, whatever it is for you, whatever it is that you're chasing in life, and I, I want to encourage you to be passionate about whatever you do, but he's saying, listen, all that stuff, whatever it is, it's career, go at it hard and honor the Lord, whether it's, it's, it's financial gain or you want to get a bigger house or that, fine as long as you don't worship that stuff and you can do it in a way that brings glory to God he says but listen just be mindful of the fact that whatever it is that you're pursuing it's all perishable he says but one thing is imperishable and that is growing in holiness growing in Christ likeness goes on and on and on forever I have a, uh, I'll embarrass myself one more time if I can. Um, so I actually made it on the, the wall of fame in my high school uh, for wrestling. And uh, yeah, I'm, let me just toot my own horn for a second here. But the wall of fame, they, they would actually paint records on the wall of the different records that the different people. And so there's the, you know, the, the longest yards, you know, or the, the most win, winning quarterback or whatever it may be. And they'd, they'd paint these on the wall. Well, I got a record on the wall for wrestling. And my record was for wrestling most escapes. Now, First, that might sound kind of cool, but if you really think about it, in order to escape, you have to get taken down first. And so, I don't know if I, I got most taken down and then escape. I was really slippery, you know. And in fact, I'll tell you just a side note. Um, when I, I remember the first wrestling tournament I ever won, a buddy says, hey, Josh, here's, here's a secret I heard. If you'll take a hot, like a really hot bath the night before and just pour baby oil in the bath, your, your pores, because of the heat, just open up and just absorb the baby oil. And then the next day you go wrestle and you start sweating and you're slippery. And so, and I just slither out of things. And so most escapes on the wall. And that was one of those things. I hope that tarnishes. I hope that building crumbles down. In fact, I think they did build a bigger gym. And so I'm, I'm all good. And Paul is saying, listen, all these accolades, whatever it is that you're pursuing in life, listen, it's all perishable, but this one thing is imperishable, and that is your godliness that has been secured for you in Jesus, and that you grow in godliness, you grow in Christ's likeness. That's imperishable. Verse 26, Paul says, I do not run aimlessly, and I do not box as one beating the air. He just starting to throw out all these different athletic illustrations here. He's saying, listen, I don't have some lame high school fleeting petty goal. It's, it's, it's not pointless. I've got a goal and I've got a very important goal and I'm doing this for Jesus. If you go up to, to verse 23, we haven't read this yet, but here's what he says. He, he calibrates all of this. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Gospel meaning good news of Jesus. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. And then he says, that I may share with them in 
its blessings, them being the people that he's been trying to reach with the message of Jesus. And so we might ask, Paul, why are you so intense? You notice that? Paul is so intense about everything. Paul, why are you so intense? Can't you, can't you lighten up a bit? Can't you slow down? Can, instead of racing, can we just kind of have a spiritual jog here? And Paul says, no. Again, no room in the Bible for half-hearted Christian living. Scriptures say things like, you've got to take up your cross, Jesus says, and, and, and follow me. And they knew full and well for us, the cross is a, a nice thing we wear on our neck. For them in their day, it was a very familiar execution model. He says, you've got to be ready for that in order to follow me. Paul's saying, listen, not a jog, it's a run. Let's take this seriously. He says, you don't half-heartedly enter into the Isthmian games. You took an oath. And, and so, Paul, why are you committed like this? Why are you so intense? Why are you so devoted? And he says, for the sake of the gospel, that is the good news of Jesus. Can I just take a side and just remind us what the good news of Jesus is? If you've heard this a thousand times or this is your first time hearing it, we need to hear the good news of Jesus over and over and over and over again. The good news of Jesus is that we have all been made for a relationship with God. He has designed us so that we could enjoy a relationship with him. The Bible says that we've all sinned. We've all turned our backs on God. We've said, God, I'm going to do it on my own. We've, we've become independent of God. That's ultimately what sin is. I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. And God says, I, I could have wiped my hands of you and said, okay, fine. The result of your sin is death. See, when you turn from the one who breathes into you the breath of life, as he did at creation, the natural result of that is separation from him, which is death. He says, I could have been done, given you what you want. But God pursues us. And that's what Christmas is. That God pursues us. That God becomes a man. Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, in this humble form, a baby grows up to teach and to proclaim his message. Undeserving of the wages of sin, which is death. Because he lived so perfectly and yet he dies on the cross. They didn't kill him. He laid down his life on that cross. Taking the punishment for you and for me. And he dies. And then he comes back to life and he proves to, to hundreds and hundreds of people, I'm alive. They go spread the message of Jesus all over the world. Jesus is alive and he ascends to heaven and he seats on this, sits on this throne and he's reigning as king. He says, listen, if you can trust in that work that I have done for you, that I have come to earth for you and I've pursued you and I've died for you and I've taken upon myself your punishment for sin so that you could be made right with God, so that you could be forgiven. He says, if you will trust in that, you can be made right with God, become a Christian. That's the gospel message. And Paul says, I do it all for the sake of that message because it has so captured my heart and so changed me and so that other people can hear that message. Let me be very, 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 very clear. Your spiritual discipline in this new year, your, your seeking to be more in the Bible, whether on a phone or on the hard Bible, or, or you're your seeking to be more holy and honoring to God, it's all beautiful and good, but be reminded that that is not what makes you right with God. That is not what makes you a Christian. It's your faith in what Jesus has done for you. I always, I always want to ask everybody the question. They say, I, I hope I'm good enough to get into heaven. I always ask, how good is good enough? Do you think God wants you to live your whole life saying, I hope I, hope I was good enough? No. 
He wants you to know, and the Bible makes it clear, the way that you know is that you don't trust in your own life because you're going to struggle and fail, and you're going to make commitments even this year to be more honoring to Jesus, and you're going to struggle. Does that mean you're no longer Christian? You're no longer heaven-bound? No. It's because you trusted in what Jesus has done for you. That's what makes you a Christian. That's what makes you right with God. Now, out of an overflow of that love, And that grace that has been displayed for you, you want to honor him, knowing full and well, I'm still going to mess up, and I'm still going to struggle, but guess what? God loves me like a perfect parent. He's going to keep pursuing me, keep pursuing me, keep pursuing me, keep forgiving me, keep forgiving me. And all that should do is motivate you more and more to want to honor him. And so, here we are. The start of a new year. Calling ourselves to challenging ourselves and each other to, to grow in our spiritual discipline, grow in our, 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 our becoming more like Jesus, whether it's dealing with sins that are old sins that you just haven't addressed or, or, or really seeking to be more consistent in the scripture, consistent in prayer, consistent in flexing your spiritual muscles and serving in the life of the church and serving in the community and training kids well to know and to love Jesus, whatever it may be. We're doing it out of an overflow for what he has done for us. And so, I, listen, I don't know where each of you are at at the start of this new year. I know where I'm at. There's some areas I want to grow in. And I don't know where you're at specifically, but I want to I encourage you to take this, this message that Paul gives us here and, and let's run with it. Let's be mindful of the reality that this is no small thing, that somebody died for you. And now we want to live for him. And here's, here's what I want to do to close. I want to I ask some of you here, maybe you've never, you've never given your life to Jesus. That is, you, you've never placed faith in him and, and turned from independence and said, no, it's, I want to live for you. Knowing full well that I'll struggle, but knowing that, that your love for me is, is there and it, it's unconditional. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive that. If that's you, you've never given your life to Jesus. Today, I, I just want to call you in the best way that you know how to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved from separation, saved from hell. Yes, saved from the eternal consequence of your sin and saved to a new life and a new purpose in Jesus. If, if that's you, you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to call you today to give your life to Jesus. Others of us, we have given our lives to Jesus, but we've slowed down in, in running the race. We've not taken it so seriously. And I'm praying that God would just calibrate our minds this morning. Somebody died for us. An amazing God has secured an eternity for us. And I want to live for him today, this year. Would you guys do me a favor? Would you close your eyes? This is something we do every week together, not because closing our eyes is particularly spiritual, but we close our eyes so that we can just get distractions out of the room and, and just respond to the scriptures. I want to encourage you to, to take some time, every single one of us, myself included, to respond to the scriptures. God has spoken through his, his word. How do we respond this morning? Again, some of you, maybe you need to call upon the name of Jesus for the very first time. And be saved. What an amazing way to start off this new year. And, and if that's you, in the best way you know how, you call on his name. Acknowledging your need for him because of your sin. Acknowledging his great love for you and that he came to earth and died for you. 
with full intention to trust him and to live for him forever. That's you. You call on him in prayer and he'll hear you. Then I would ask that you let somebody know. Now there's of us in here as we take a moment to respond, we just need to say, God, I'm acknowledging some areas in my life where I want to, to grow to honor you more. I want to take you seriously in this year. You talk to God, I'll follow up in prayer. Father, it is a a sweet thing to know that when we pray, you listen. We might fumble around in our words and feel awkward because we haven't been talking to you much lately, but, but you hear us. We pray a prayer of faith. God, I pray for those who are calling on your name right now, that there would be something deep happening within their soul, that they would be, as your scripture says, adopted into your family, that they would pass from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, that they would receive new and eternal life in Jesus. And it's this amazing thing that you do within them. Thank you for that. May they know it, be confident of it, because it's not based on how they live their lives. It's based on how you lived and what you did. Give them that confidence. Give them that boldness. And would you allow them to communicate that to us? Others in here, God, I pray that you would be moving in their hearts to to, to grow this year in, in godliness, to honor you, to run the race with seriousness, with fervor, knowing that somebody died for them. And he's waiting at the finish line. So may we all run our race well this year. May you be glorified. May your grace be received. Your mercies that are new, not once a year on January 1st, but your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.